In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Christians, our gospel lesson this morning causes us to consider an important question. How is it that we deal with death? How do you deal with death? It's an important question, isn't it? Because all of us, at some point in our life, probably more than one point in our life, will have to deal with it. Loved ones, friends, coworkers, spouse, Unless we pass away before them, we will have to mourn them. Death seems like an end. We talk about it as a culmination of life, a time when people examine all the actions of an individual's life and try to justify them to the world. How do you deal with death. As a pastor, I've been with many, many people as they've tried to deal with death. I've seen many ways that they've tried to rationalize it, many ways they've tried to wrap their mind around it. And the truth is, When death strikes, there is so much false comfort that is given. What I mean is this. I've heard well-meaning people say to mourners that their loved one has now become an angel who is looking down on them from above. They've now gotten their wings. It sounds nice. But it's not true. It's true, the people that we are mourning are in heaven. But why would somebody who's there want to look down on us as we toil and struggle? And even though they're in heaven, they're not angels. All the angels were created in the beginning. There have been no more and no less since creation began. It's false hope. I've heard people say, in a very well-meaning way, that now your loved one lives on in your heart. Again, untrue. I heard that one when my grandma passed away in Omaha from their pastor. It didn't bring comfort because all I could think about was, if that's true that my grandma's alive in my heart, what happens when my heart dies? 
Where is she then? Well-meaning words that actually don't bring comfort. Even saying, your loved one is always with you, is quickly proved untrue by the harsh reality of widows and widowers living in silent houses, thinking about their loved ones that are gone. How do you deal with death? Oftentimes in the world we say these well-meaning things, but they don't actually take away the hurt. They don't actually stop the pain. They're not always true. The sting of death is sharp. It cuts deep. Still, years and decades later, we can become misty-eyed thinking of loved ones who are gone. So how do you deal with death? Do we try to tell everybody how good the person who's gone is? With long eulogies, sometimes with funny jokes and laughter and clapping and applause. Can that undo death? No. Maybe we'll make a donation in their name, have a plaque attached to the wall somewhere so that their name is forever remembered. In the churches in Germany, the floors are filled with such inscriptions, names of people that no one remembers, that no one knows anything about. Making a donation in someone's name isn't necessarily bad in itself, so long as we understand that does not give them immortality. That is not their hope. How do you deal with death? Sometimes I see people who try to occupy themselves with other things then. Maybe work, maybe a new hobby. I've seen people who try to move to a new place to escape the loss and the hurt and the loneliness. None of those things seems to really help in the end. You can't run away from it. And while we try to do other things, we still think about it. I've seen some people who, in the end, just despair. They shut down, separate themselves from the world. I've even seen people who begin to self-medicate, to try and numb the sharpness of death's sting. How 
do we, Christians, deal with death? We don't do it the way the others in the world do. We Christians see death differently and to understand how we see death differently we need to understand what happens in today's gospel lesson. You've heard the account before a widowed Jewish woman has now lost her only son as well. We don't know how or why he died, but we do know that he's gone. And we do know what this means for this widowed woman. It means that her source of financial stability is now gone. Women of the ancient world couldn't own land. They couldn't provide an income. This woman is now essentially a beggar. But those of you who have dealt with death know the truth. The financial situation is minor compared to what's really crushing her. Her son is gone. Just like her husband, at some point in the past, was taken. Imagine the scene that we heard in our gospel lesson. This woman must be weeping, crying, mourning like crazy. Perhaps to the point of hysteria. It's a bitter pill that she has been made to swallow. She refuses to be comforted, not by her friends, not by her neighbors, not by her extended family, not by anyone in town, even as they walk with her to the graveside. The baby she held in her hands as an infant, that she lived all those years with, that she raised, that she fed, that she loved, is lying there dead. And now she must bury him. Telling her that her son is an angel won't help. Hanging his name on the wall of the local synagogue won't help. Moving to another town won't numb the pain. Death hurts. And she knows it well. How can she deal with death? She cannot. We see it clearly in the gospel lesson. She doesn't even know what to do. She can't make the pain stop. She can't make things better. She can't bring her son or her husband back. But as she walks step by step, 
to the cemetery, walking the other way is someone who can. Jesus. Jesus sees this funeral procession. He sees this woman weeping and crying and hurting. And he steps in to deal with what she cannot deal with. He stops the procession. He goes to the woman and he says, don't weep. These aren't well-meaning words because they're the words of God. Don't weep because I will handle death for you, Jesus says. Don't weep. I will defeat it for you, Jesus says. I will pull its teeth out so that its bite doesn't hurt you. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus promises to defeat it. And after consoling the woman with God's own word spoken through his mouth, Jesus walks over to the dead man. He puts his hand on the casket and he speaks, young man, I say to you, arise. And at the word of God, the young man does just that. He gets up. He breathes the breath of life, first breathed into Adam at the Garden of Eden. He becomes a living being again. Jesus gives him back to his mother, returns him from the place where there should be no return from. Death has been handled for this mother, for this son. God did the work. How do you, dear Christian, deal with death? The same way that mother did. Just like the mother from our gospel lesson, you can't handle it. But Jesus, he handles it for you. He handles death by defeating it on Good Friday outside Jerusalem. It was there as Jesus hung from the cross that death tried to swallow him whole. He was nailed down, he was suffered, he bled, he hurt, he was mocked, he died. And he did all of it to handle death for you. He was even buried. And for three days it looked like death had won, but it hadn't. Jesus rose to live, to live forever, for always. He's alive even now.
He ascended into heaven to prepare a place for every single Christian, promising that he will raise them as well as he himself rose, as the son of the widow rose, as Lazarus rose, as the son of the other widow from our Old Testament rose. All will live with Jesus in the end, on the last day. Jesus ascended into heaven and promises that he will come back. That he will come and stand at the foot of every single grave to call forth whoever rests therein to say to you when you are in the sleep of death, arise. And when Jesus' word of resurrection comes into your dead ears, you will wake up. You will walk away. You will pass through and out of the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus promises. And the same is true for your loved ones who have died in the faith. They will all with you be given eternal life. God handles death for you in and through Jesus. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? It's nowhere to be found. God has given eternal life to his blessed saints, even to you, through the waters of holy baptism. Or did you not know that when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death? You were buried, therefore, with Jesus by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We shall have life and life to the full. We shall live even though we die, and whoever believes in Jesus will never really die. God handles death for you. And so now you're free. Now you're free to use God's truth about death. When your fellow Christian is mourning, you're free to speak the word of Jesus to them. Jesus will raise your loved one. Death is not forever. All who believe and are baptized will live. And when you use God's truth, there's comfort in the words. You're free to comfort them as Jesus comforted this mother, not telling them, stop crying and act like a man, but instead, hope in the resurrection. You're free 
free to mourn. Not as the world mourns without any hope, but as a Christian mourns, knowing that it may be many years and it may hurt for a while, but that your loved one will live again and that you will see them on the last day and all the days that follow thereafter into eternity. You will see your loved one through the work of Jesus Christ. You're free. Free to face your own death in faith. You're free. Dear Christian, how do you deal with death? You don't. But Jesus does. He kills death, destroys its power. He grants life to the full. He raises from the dead. He calls forth the dead. He gives life everlasting. Jesus deals with death and he does so for good. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.